Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Well, it's good to see everyone here today. I want to start off just with a few announcements before we get going. First of all, we have a Christmas Eve gathering. That's on the 24th. It's on a Saturday, and we're meeting at 4 p.m., and we're gathering with Shelter Bible Church. So they're, they're the church that owns this building that meets in the morning. So we're going to get some time together to be with them and to have uh, just an awesome time gathering and worship together. We are not gathering on December 25th. I want to encourage you to spend that time with your family, with your GC, or maybe Jesus has a ministry opportunity for you on that day. But we encourage you to just enjoy the day and everything that God has on it for you. Um, and then uh, once we get through December, come into January, we are going to be starting into the book of Matthew. That's where our next sermon series is. And I just want to give you a brief highlight um, of how we go about deciding where we're gonna be in scripture. Sometimes we do topical series like we've been in for the last seven weeks. We wanna address a specific issue that impacts our church. But when it comes to going through a book of the Bible, we're trying to jump between testaments so we can get a fuller understanding about God's word and not just hanging out in one area. And also going between different genres if we can. So that might be doing something like the Psalms that we did this summer. Or in this case, as we come into the new year, we're going to be in a gospel. We're going through the, the gospel of Matthew. So our plan is to get those scripture journals, those scripture ESV journals that we've had in past uh, sermon series, and they'll be for you to grab and specifically to be part of the sermon. Because even as I'm up here preaching to you, this is only one aspect of what's going on. Your role in sitting and listening to God's word is I'm operating more like a server who's bringing out a meal, your job is to ingest that, to think about it, to chew on it, to think critically about what's going on. So that's one of the reasons we like having some of those journals is to be like, yes, engage with us, be a part of what's going on. The last announcement is, is uh, for this month, we're encouraging you to participate in a ministry um, by SOAR International. They operate out of uh, the Kenai Soldatna area. And uh, they go every year, at the beginning of each year, they go over to Russia in particular to reach out to orphans and share the gospel. Especially with all the news headlines between Russia and Ukraine, it's, it's, it's just even more important for what they're doing. They're not only trying to... to um, uh, minister in Russia, but also 
I'm probably going to butcher this, Moldovia, and then hopefully through that, they'll also be able to reach out to kids in Ukraine as well. So you can get more information about that out on our welcome table, and for uh, any kids or families in particular, there's an opportunity to be able to write a letter uh, that, that will be hand-delivered to some of those kids and translated into Russian, uh, so they are able to get a note from you, but also get the clear gospel message. So encourage you to do that. And with that, their ministry is called Stuff a Stocking. It's kind of like Operation Christmas Child where it's a stocking stuffed with just a few goodies, but also with a Russian Bible, uh, among a few other things. So I actually um, know the, one of the people who is going over there. Uh, she, <laughs> she was called Miss Becky when I was growing up. And uh, so I got to talk with or uh, have an email exchange this week with her, and she was asking for prayer uh, and going over there and just for safety and health and all those things. So uh, we'll be doing that as well. So with that, um, jumping into Philippians 1, we are wrapping up a sermon series that we have been in for the last seven weeks. We titled it, Why Church? Because if you have been anywhere for the last two years uh, with COVID, with other things, it has put a lot of pressure on us as followers of Jesus to the point where we're looking at all our normal activities and what we do and asking the question, why? And if you're not asking that directly, I can almost guarantee you that it's happening somewhere deep within you. Why church? Why do we do the rhythms? Why gather on a Sunday afternoon to sing songs and hear a guy preach a word for 30 to 40 minutes? Why is that? And the whole point was to walk through our identity statement that we hold here at Radiant Church, that we are a family of missionary servants sent to be and make disciples to make disciples. And we wanted to look at scripture and hold it up like a mirror and ask ourselves, are we being and are we doing the things that God has called us to be and do as his church? Are we doing it? To remind ourselves of the purposes and the intentions that God has for his church. We know these words, like family and missionary servant, disciples, we've heard it. And if you haven't heard it here at Radiant, you've probably heard them somewhere else in another church. So we asked, why church? Why are we gospel-centered? Why family? Why mission? Why gather? Why serve? And the one we covered last week was why suffer? Why should we suffer for something called the church? So in Jesus, we are called to be his church. The church is sacred. It's meant to be one of the highest priorities in our life because we are in Jesus together. And if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we must value the church like God does. We must be the church on his terms and not on our terms. So we've come to the end of this series. And this time right now, we're not asking another what question. We're more asking, so what do we do? How do we take everything we've walked through in the last seven weeks and actually do something with it? Hopefully, you've been challenged over the last seven weeks. Hopefully, like myself, maybe you've realized there's been neglect in your heart towards the church and how you live as the church. Or maybe you've been encouraged. Maybe you've been in a hard spot where, yeah, you've been serving the church, you've been faithful, but it's gotten discouraging. Hopefully, this has encouraged you to keep going because it is worth it. It's worth our lives. And then, the last one is just joy. That when we understand God's purposes and his real intentions for us as his church, that there's a joy that can come out of that. 
But now we have to ask, so now what? What do we do now? I want to give you an illustration. I have been in seminary for the last two years, and last Sunday I shared um, just, I was able to go through a graduation ceremony a month ago. It was awesome. And then even better, I finished my last assignment this last Friday, and finals are done. It's great. The, the, one of those assignments, though, because of the way my class structure worked out, is I had to write a, a small paper of 1,500 to 2,000 words on a three-year theological development plan. Now, if that just went over your head, what I just said, all it is meaning is how am I now, in the next three years, on my own, taking time to develop myself in the knowledge of God? And so working through things like, how am I working through my, my disciplined lifestyle? How am I going to God's word on my own, being in prayer, doing those things? What books am I gonna be reading to continually grow my knowledge? Things, similar things like that. And I think that, the reason I bring it up, is that's where we need to be coming off of the series that we've been through. And we ask that question, well now what do we do? Well now we keep going. Now we keep learning. Now we anticipate as we look at Radiant Church in this next year, what God is calling us to do. We need to take a stand today to live intentionally, to see God's greater vision for his church, and to live it out. A really great illustration of this that I, I had no idea was going to come out of anywhere happened yesterday as I was talking with a, a guy who's part of our church, Ethan Mann, and we were just sharing life together. He's in the military, and he shared this, this line that I thought was so powerful, this idea of conquer or die one foot on the ground. One foot on the ground. And what that means, you're wondering, like, what the heck? Like, when I first heard that, I was thinking, like, one foot on the ground, is this balancing? What, what, what do you mean by that? What it means is that you're ready to go. That if you're moving, if you're jogging, you're walking, there's always one foot that's on the ground while the other one's moving. And what I liked about that was this idea of we keep going. Even when you're resting or you're kneeling, you're ready to go. You're ready to move when the command's given and to go forward. And that's where we need to be with Jesus, especially as we move into this next year. As we see God's intentions for his church and his purposes, we need to develop ourselves and be ready to go. We need to have one foot on the ground. And that's why, and I didn't manage to get it into these front rows, but I put out a partnership document for 2023. The reason I have it there is for a couple of reasons. If you got a pen, Please take notes on it. Use it as scrap paper as we go through Philippians 1. Three years ago, we started on the route of creating a form of church membership. Now, if you have encountered church membership before, that may leave a really bad taste in your mouth. You might look at it in a couple different ways. One may be frustration and anger, like, no, don't tell me what to do. And sometimes when you have a thing like church membership, that's what comes across. Or maybe it's ambivalence. It doesn't really matter. I follow Jesus, so therefore I'm a part of his church. But this is what I want to encourage you with that document. What it's there for is for intentionality, that we don't take lightly the relationship that we have with one another. Just like my professors, at the end of my seminary degree, were like, hey, you need to create a plan. Because guess what? If I don't create a plan, if I'm not intentional, I'm not going to be purposeful in growing myself as a leader of this church. 
And so what we want to use this for is to encourage you to be intentional. Now, if you're worried about wondering, like, wait a minute, I don't think the Bible says anything about membership. Why would we do something like this? There's a quote from John Piper that I was reading recently in a book he wrote on providence. He says this, penetrate through words into reality. Providence is a word not found in the Bible. In that sense, it's like the word trinity, discipleship, evangelism, exposition, counseling, ethics, politics, and charismatics. There are sometimes ways that it's helpful to summarize deep truths in the Bible or to have tools that point us to do the things that God has commanded. And throughout church history, we've seen this in catechisms, all sorts of literature, creeds, councils, and yes, even church membership, where you're right. It's not, it's not going to be like a law that's laid down by God in this little piece of paper. And that's not the whole point of it. And there, there'll be a time where we'll change the document and work on various things. It's just there to help us do what God's called us to do. And if you look on the back of the paper, there is growth goals. And the, the reason we do this is we didn't want membership or partnership at rating to be something that's dry and dusty, where you sign a little paper and then you're like a member for life as long as that paper exists or something like that. That's not what God has called us to. And we live in Alaska where people are moving out of here at a rate of like every two or three years. So God's going to move us on at some point, and that's okay. Rather, what we hope is every year we're intentionally thinking through how are we gonna, going to be God's church together? If we understand the purposes, if we understand what he's created for us, then let's think through it on an intentional level. So we're going to communicate about this through the end of January, and on January 22nd, we're going to do something we've done for years called Thank You Jesus Sunday, where we don't do a sermon, and rather everyone here participates, shares what they're thankful for Jesus about, and shares where God wants to grow them for the next year. So because of all these reasons, all the reasons we looked over at the last seven weeks, we are called to live intentionally. We are called to live with one foot off the ground. So now, Philippians 1. Why that? Why Philippians 1? In Philippians 1, as Paul's writing this letter to a church in Greece, Paul describes four ways for the church to live intentionally. And the reason I handed out that paper, or maybe just opening up a notes app on your phone, I want you to think through these four intentional ways of living as a church. And just to jot down questions, ideas, dreams, anything that's coming to your mind as, as I'm preaching up here, that God's stirring in your heart for how you can operate as the church. So four things that Paul's looking at in this passage is that he's looking at partnering with gospel joy, celebrating gospel work, partaking in gospel grace, and abounding in gospel love. So I'm just going to pray over this time. Um, if you join me. God in heaven, we just petition you that your spirit would be at work in our hearts right now. Soften us where we need to be softened. Uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Help us to have joy in what the church is meant to be. And I just pray from this, God, would you stir in us a fire? Would you help us live intentionally for the amount of, whatever amount of time you have us together as your church? And I just pray as we move into a new year, into 2023, even with all the things going on in this world, help us to anticipate that you are returning and we have been called to live a life worthy of the gospel for you. 
And God, thank you that we don't have to do it alone, that we can do it with your church. Open our eyes, God, right now. Open our ears to hear you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so turn back with me um, to Philippians chapter 1. A couple things about Philippians. If you go to the very end of the book, you're given the purpose, which is the church that Paul planted there originally, they sent some type of a care package to him. And that might not seem like a big deal for us in the time of FedEx and UPS and Amazon and all those good things, but in a time where you had to get on a boat and sail from Greece all the way over to Italy and Rome, where Paul is in prison, that is a big deal for Paul especially. And so he writes back to this church, and you can sense just the... Uh, love, the deep, deep love that Paul has. So let's just read. We'll start in verse three and go through five. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The first intentional action as we're looking at partnering with gospel joy the first action we see here is prayer. And I remember when I was younger, I would read a passage like that, and because I had a tender conscience, if you want to call it that way, I was thinking, oh man, I've got to like be praying literally every moment of every day. But that's not what Paul is meaning by that. What he's actually speaking to is his intentional action. One foot on the ground, ready to go, ready to pray for the church often, and not just casually, but because he loves them. And so even there, with that prayer for us, how are we going to remember one another this year in prayer? What do we need to pray over for this church? To thinking about the kingdom of God moving into Fairbanks. Man, this is a dark place, Fairbanks is. Spiritually, physically, it's a hard place to live in. And we need to be fighting on behalf of the people who are here who are trapped in a spiritual darkness, who are trapped uh, in many ways by Satan. And we need to be on our knees for them. Pray that we live intentionally, our, mission, our, our identity statement, that we live intentionally as a family of missionary servants sent to make disciples. Pray for the next church planner to be raised up out of this church. Pray that we find a building that helps us live intentionally in this city, not for the sake of having a building, but for a sake of engaging with this city. Pray that we, when we run into disappointments doing any of the things that we're praying about, that we get back up and we trust Jesus for the next day. Pray that the Spirit fills us for this next year to give us energy we need to build Jesus' kingdom. Pray for East Asia. We have a whole book on prayers. You can pray over that region that we just sent um, our team to Nepal who recently came back. We have a whole book on that. If you, if you want that, come talk with me. I think we have a couple left in my office. So we see that, but Paul is not only intentional in prayer, but he's reminding this church of the partnership that they have. And that's why you'll see at the top of that page that I handed out, gospel partnership. We want to use that word because of this passage in particular. There's a quote from Nathan Cedarland. He says this, this word translated as fellowship, participation, partnership, and contribution implies both a close relational connection as well as a solemn joint commitment 
one that would involve the sacrificial sharing of time, talents, and resources. You don't simply join a church. You submit to the risen Christ by participating in his family. We see this same word used in other places in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10.16 says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not our participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? You see, that word participation is the same exact word as partnership in Philippians 1. So that word in 1 Corinthians is being used to describe communion, about the breaking of Jesus' body, the shedding of his blood, and how we become children of God because of what God did on the cross. That same word then is used in our partnership together as his church. We see this word again in Acts 2.42 when it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, there's, that's the same word as participation in 1 Corinthians and partnership in uh, Philippians. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. If you continue reading past Acts 2, you see what that participation looks like, how they were using their resources to be able to share with one another and move the gospel forward. This is living one foot off the ground. This is being ready to partner together and see the gospel go out. So then we also see in these first couple verses that Paul is praying with joy. One way you can define joy is quiet delight. Paul's delight is first and foremost with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this next year, my encouragement for us here at Radiant is to work towards joy. That when we see one another, whether it's here right now on a Sunday or in our small groups called Gospel Communities or if it's in Costco, that there is a quiet delight that comes with it. That's our reaction there, that we can have delight in the church. And it's easy to let other things, problems in our lives, frustrations, bitterness can grow up and kill that joy that we can have with one another. But when it's operating, when that joy is there, it helps us be the church that God has called us to be. Some of the best changes in our church have been when people have come to talk with us as elders who really care and want to see our church move forward and be better at spreading God's kingdom. That's what happens when you've got that joy in the church because you care so much for it. You want it to see it operate at its best capacity. So the question for this is who or what are you partnering with? What are you committed to? What are you engaged with? Are you engaged with the church? Are you partnered with the church? Or have other priorities in life robbed that of you? What are your talents? Let's put them to use. That's the thing you can scrawl in your notes, write on that piece of paper. Think about through, like, what has God gifted you with? What are you just simply good at that you can use to move the gospel forward in this church? And let us know. We want to hear about it. If you aren't giving, then ask God about what it looks like to regularly give to the church. Not because we're trying to soak you for all your worth or got this money scheme going on, but because we care about what we do here and it's worth us partnering together to do it. Dream of ideas of where Radiant could grow 
and being unified and mobilized for the gospel. What are the dreams that God's given you? When I was leaving my seminary, one of the words from a professor was, dream big and be patient. Don't stop dreaming, even if it takes a long time. God has given you ideas for a reason, and it's for his glory. And a few other things with partnering. If you're part of one of our small groups, what does your GC need? Uh, I've been a small group leader for like 10 years now, and it's amazing when someone comes up and is like, I'm at your disposal. I'd love to help in whatever way you need help with. Like, do that. Like, you, you guys have so many good gifts, and sometimes we get so wrapped up that we forget that, yeah, let's come in and ask, how can we be of use? Maybe you can host a meeting and give a break from someone who's already hosting. Maybe you can take on scheduling. Um, but when we are able to partner together, and everyone's locking arms, provides energy for us to be able to follow Jesus. We own our discipleship, and we own the discipleship of others, one foot on the ground. The next thing we see is celebrating gospel work in Philippians 1.6. There Paul says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Celebrating gospel work. That, that word work is like toil. It's like hard work. Great effort. And Jesus is doing it inside of you if you have put your faith in him. He is changing your hearts. He's giving you new purposes. He's doing something amazing in, in you that will come complete when he returns. You see, Jesus isn't about trying to make you perfect. He's about changing you and drawing you nearer to him and acting more like him. What I love is that Paul is championing that gospel work inside of the heart of the church. So in this next year, we need to be championing one another in the work of God and what he's doing in us. Who are you going to champion in this next year? Who is the person you are going to intentionally encourage and remind and celebrate? You see, over the last two years, one of the reasons I was able to do seminary was because my wife championed me. And I remember she came down with me when I was down in Richmond, Virginia for one of my classes, and we were down there together, which was special, and I was thinking, you know what, maybe I don't need to finish up the reading that was due uh, before I got there. I was thinking, nah, I'll just slide by. If I get a little bit of a bad grade, it's going to be fine because I need to focus on my wife. But she was like, no, finish your reading. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do it. And I'm so grateful for it. It felt so good because she championed me when I was tired and worn out. And she's like, no, keep going. So who are you celebrating with? Celebrate the answers to prayer. Know each other well enough to know what we're praying about. And when we hear those answers, to be like, yes, Jesus did it. Celebrate where someone is fighting to follow Jesus. When it's hard, when they want to give up and be like, no, keep going, I'm here with you. Encourage people when they're down and out. See the work that Jesus is doing inside of them. See what God is doing. The next thing we see is in Philippians 1.7. It says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment 
and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Partakers with me of grace. Partaking. This is a very similar word to partnering, this intentional relationship. It's this almost idea of living vicariously through the church, that Paul is seeing the work and effort that they're doing, or rather, he's saying, hey, guys, guess what? You, all the way over in Philippi, you're living through me. As I'm here in prison, as I'm defending the faith and doing this, we are tied together, even though there's distance in between us. And what are they partakers of? Of grace. Now, grace is a word that we often throw around in the church a lot. And sometimes it's easy for those words not to really have any meaning. But what the word means is favor. And specifically, God's favor. Grace is that favor that God is able to give us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. That in our sin, when we're giving the middle finger to God and his ways and his desires and saying, nah, I don't need that. That's what sin is in our heart and how it works out. We reject his ways. We don't live according to what he's made us to be. We're enemies of God. We're destined for destruction. But through Jesus Christ, through what he did on the cross, by dying on the cross, taking the punishment of our sins that we deserved, and not just dying, but rising again three days later, he conquered Satan's sin and death. That was the major victory was there on the cross and through his resurrection. And through that, through faith in Christ, by giving, us, by giving him our life, by giving him our life, God's favor then shines upon us. God then is for us, not because of who we are. He's for us because of Jesus Christ inside of us. And if you're at this place where you're struggling and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, that his love is for you. Even while you were sinners, Christ died for us is what Romans 5.8 tells us. And when we put our faith in Jesus, it doesn't stop there. We become part of his church in spreading that good news, that good message to others. We become partakers. We see the same word used in 2 Peter 1.4. It says, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Other places in scriptures, it talks about us being represented by Christ in the heavenly places. That's that vicariousness that's going in, that we are represented by Christ, right? So we see this with Paul in the church. First of all, through imprisonment. Paul has been in prison, and the church just sent him a care package to encourage and show them how they care for him, how they're part of the work that he's doing which is the second part he mentions, through the defense and confirmation of the gospel. See, Paul is in prison, and he's preaching the word to his captors. And because of what he's doing, the church in Philippi takes credit for that. They're part of that work that's going on. They are working together to see Jesus' kingdom spread in the areas God has put them. So what are you partaking in? Let me give you an example of this. We don't use the word partaking very much. Uh, when I was meeting up with Ethan the other day, I come into the venue on 2nd Avenue, it's a coffee shop, 
And there is just like a loud ruckus going on in there. And what I found out later is, is that there was an Army versus Navy football game going on, and someone had reserved that specific area for them and their um, buddies, and they were going to town, um, enjoying the game. Army won, if you cared. I found that out later. And what were they doing? They were living vicariously through a football team that's thousands of miles away. When you watch people who really love football, they do the funniest things. Like there were these chants that were going on, like as they were like getting closer to a goal. Or, I don't know, it's just funny listening to all the little things that they say. What are they doing? They're living vicariously through the team that's on there. Their victory, the football team's victory, is their victory in Fairbanks, Alaska. And it's just amazing to see how much energy and effort is put into a football game. When we go through our battles throughout the day, we need to be living vicariously through one another. We need to partake with one another. How do we do that? Well, first of all, we gotta get to know one another. We gotta know our stories. We gotta know each other's battles and what we're going through each day. We need to be intentional by asking others to pray over the areas of influence that God has put us in in this city. Maybe you work in an office. You work on one of the bases, you work at home, or whatever you may be doing. Start by asking, how does God want me to spread his good news where he has put me? And let that be your first ask for others. Say, you know what? I, I work in an office and I have no idea how I'm supposed to be living for Jesus right now. Can you please pray for me? Because I don't want to live unintentionally. Please pray for me. Or maybe you're a parent and you're at home whether you're a single parent or whether you're there and the, another spouse is working and maybe you're wondering, how do I serve God in this place? Well, bring that request to others and say, please help me know. Help me, just, I, want, I don't want to live life unintentionally. And then update one another as we see God answering prayers. As he reveals to us how we're supposed to live intentionally with one foot on the ground, that we begin and updating one another when we see God doing amazing things. I've seen beautiful moments in this church. I mean, our church has been around for 15 years. And I've seen beautiful moments where people in this city have encountered Jesus through the people of Radiant. And we need the fight to see that gospel influence grow. Let's keep one foot off the ground, ready to serve him, ready to spread the gospel together. The last thing we see here of intentional action is abounding in gospel love. So starting in verse eight. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So first of all, note Paul's love that he describes in verse 8. I mean, the language in here is just so rich. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. I mean, this is almost like romantic terminology. This is the kind of heart that Paul has for the church. It's, he loves them deeply. But we also see how Paul is praying for them to love as well. And as I was studying, I, I found this 
a great description of love from Vine's Expository Dictionary. It says, love can be known only from the actions it prompts. Love can be known only from the actions it prompts. God's love is seen in the gift of his son. And so as we look at Paul and Paul's prayer for the Philippian church, we see a love that's described by the surrounding actions and affections. So notice, first of all, how by love they're called to grow in knowledge and discernment. That love they have for God should be driving this knowledge and discernment. Have you, have you ever met someone who's been in the church? And I, When I've shared people my story, I've said when I grew up, I was a Christian everyone loved to hate because I was this kid who had a bunch of knowledge but didn't really get it, didn't really know what it meant to follow and pursue and love Jesus because it wasn't coming from a place of love that moved into knowledge and discernment. I was trying to do knowledge and discernment all on its own. And when you do that, well, you don't really have discernment either. Discernment of knowing what's right and what's wrong. If you're just basing it off of your own knowledge, you aren't going to get very far in this life. But by love, growing in knowledge and discernment. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of Jesus and what he came to do. Who Jesus is, what he came to do. Discernment, discerning what's good and what is not. When we get time in this book, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his love for us and our love for him, it's going to grow you to help understand how to navigate this world, this crazy world that we live in, and how to do it right on God's terms. So how are you going to do this in this next year? What is your theological development plan, as my professor might say? How are you going to pursue after Jesus in his word, through prayer, through memorization, through things even like fasting. Those are all things not just meant to be good Christians. They're meant to know God at a deep level. Maybe there's a topic you would like to grow in regarding God and his word. And let me know. I'd love to help you. And more, I would love to help you start a, a small group of two, three guys or two and three gals to dive deeper into God's word. One of the joys I've had in this last year is a buddy of mine who came to me and was like, Man, I don't get God's word. Like, I open it up, I read it, and it just feels like, not, like I just don't get it. And so we spent time together getting into God's word, figuring it out. And it has been an encouragement for me to watch him grow and develop and get excited for God's word, to see someone who's like, yeah, no, there is value in here. There is goodness out of God's word. We want to see that happen. So how is your love going to drive you towards that knowledge and discernment. And notice, paired with knowledge and discernment is approving what is excellent. It affects your actions when you get to know the, the God of this Bible, when you get to know Jesus Christ. Then you look at your actions and you can know what is excellent. And that impacts the church because you're able to, first of all, encourage one another. Where you're able to say, man, I love it. I, I love what you're doing over here because... You're pursuing Jesus, and I can see it, and that encourages me to pursue Jesus. Or maybe you got a brother who's going the wrong direction. You got a sister who's not headed down the right way. And so by approving what is excellent, you can come in and say, hey, you know, out of love for you, I see where you're headed, and I don't think that's the right way to go. We keep each other on track. We keep each other with one foot on the ground, ready for action, ready to pursue Jesus. 
by love being pure and blameless, filled with fruits of righteousness. Now again, these are some of those lines that I love to get messed up when I was early on. I'd read those, and in my mind, I'm thinking like pure, like absolutely no sin. I'm thinking blameless, like there's nothing that anyone can tag to me that's not of God. But think more like bottled water versus city water. We want to be more purified. Um, I was recently in Washington, D.C. with my kids, and they haven't done much traveling outside of the, the state. And they came to describe the hotel water as swamp water when they came out of it. And we don't want to be in a place where we're swamp water for Jesus. We want to be growing more and more like him, doing the things he's called us to do because we know how to approve what is excellent because we're spending time with him and growing in his word. And so we want to be getting more like him. And that's going to happen continually until the day that he comes back. Blameless. This doesn't mean without sin, but it means living on the offense against sin in our lives. So we're not letting sin run rampant. It's no longer our master. Our master is Jesus Christ if we put our faith in him. And the result of that, it's fruits of righteousness. We're living a life displaying who Jesus is and what he's done. And this is the thing that we're called to do. Live intentionally for Jesus. Our time here on this earth matters. Yes, Jesus is the one in charge, but he's called us here to be building his kingdom with him intentionally and not getting wrapped up in our own purposes, not doing church on our own terms, not doing our own life on our terms, but submitting to him, the creator, God. So what is capturing your heart? What is capturing your love in life today? Man, we can get off base so easily and replace Jesus with other things. And we've got to keep each other focused to abound in love and not be hampered by idols that creep up in our life where we place something above God, above his church, and letting whatever that thing is, whatever that person is, run our life. And this is how Paul wraps up the section in Philippians 1 at the very end. It's just the, the last line there, but it summarizes our purpose as his people. It says, to the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. That is our life. That is our purpose. We are called to live for him. We are called to live with one foot on the ground, ready for action, radically loving one another. So think about the main points we just walked through in this passage. Partnering in gospel joy, celebrating in gospel work, partaking in gospel grace, abounding in gospel love. To be honest, it's really hard to read this passage because it seems like it's unattainable. Can the church live this way where we have this kind of heart for one another? If you've been a part of one of our gospel communities, and usually, honestly, it takes a year or two to really get to know one another, but when you get there and you've gotten to a part where you've sacrificed for one another, you've shared your resources, you've leveraged your finances and other things to say, I love you, I am for you, and we are for Jesus through his church, it's possible. But it takes intentionality. It's not gonna happen by us sitting on our butts. We've gotta have one foot on the ground, ready for action to pursue 
Jesus. So radiant. We've been through a lot in the last couple years. We've been through a leadership transition. We've been through a building change. We walked through COVID with one another. And it's now time for us to draw on a line in the sand to have one foot on the ground ready to fight, ready to move forward, to make disciples in this city, to be intentional as this church. A little later in Philippians 1, Paul puts it this way. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or, or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Let's pray. God in heaven, what is described here in Philippians is an impossibility on our own. But by the power of your spirit, we can live this way. And so I pray, Jesus, that we would be like clay in your hands, ready to be formed, ready to live intentionally, ready to see the church for what it is, that it's not some lame social group, but that it is your body, that it is your temple, that it is your kingdom here on earth spreading out your gospel message. So I pray for anyone here, including myself, Jesus, where we have been sitting on our butts, Jesus, where we have been not living intentionally. Help us to get up. Help us to go before you in prayer and say, God, show me how to live intentionally for you because we don't know if we have tomorrow or not. But while we're here today, while we're able to gather on Sunday afternoons, while we're able to gather in small groups as gospel communities, God, help us to keep fighting. Help us to keep working with one another. Help us to be ready to be used by you whenever you call. I want to thank you, Jesus, for this church. Radiant has changed my life over these years. And I just ask, God, that you would continue doing the same in the lives of other people here in Fairbanks, or whoever comes through these doors or into our homes or just through a passing conversation, that they would know you, Jesus, because of who we are as a church. We pray this in your name. Amen.